Yes, welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen Radio Show with none other than Richie Allen. How are you today? It's a scorcher again here in Salford. Stop complaining about it, you big baldy messer. Because if you do, it might start chucking it down again. It's very humid out, isn't it? God, uh, it's really humid. I've got a wonderful guest for uh, you today. Somebody I'm really looking forward to introducing you to. I'll tell you more about her in a moment. You can message the programme using the app. Go to the app store, whichever one you have for the app. But also leave a message through richieallen.co.uk where it says comment live. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, Fiona Price will join the programme later on. What a fascinating lady. International athlete in two disciplines. Rowing, equestrian endurance, easy for me to say. Serial entrepreneur, hugely successful, a psychology degree. She's an author. I can't wait for you to meet this lady. For the last couple of years, she's been living on wheels, as she says herself, reinventing herself and gestating the next thing, the next project that she's working on. She's working on something called the Earth Collective. She's building a self-sufficient eco-community and she wants to establish that in Ireland. Now, she wrote a book last year called The Ultimate Relationship, The One With Yourself, and we'll talk about that with Fiona Price and much more when she joins the programme live from God's country itself. God's country, that's where she That's where she is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm having some day of it. So is Fiona, by the way. My day has been a technological nightmare. And funnily enough, Fiona was frantically trying to get onto a Skype account or a Zoom account to speak to us on this programme today. She'd already set one up. And then it all went a bit belly up on her. And she says to me, Richie, we'll do it on the old mobile phone. And I said, well, I don't mind the mobile phone for 20 minutes, but we've got an extended chat coming up. We need to have something a bit more solid like there, Fiona, like, you know, like. So to her eternal credit, she's got sorted. Technological nightmares today. My my gear here was um, tapped into this morning by the wonderful AEQ technicians in Spain to basically rejig it and to upgrade the firmware. Do you know what any of that means? I have no idea what it means. I sat here and watched them do it remotely because we had a couple of minor bugs in the system and um, they ironed them out. And and then this afternoon I realised that I didn't have access to my own system. I couldn't get in with my password. So it's just been one of those silly days. We all have them. Typically they fall on a Monday when you've gone out on a Sunday and you've had 17 pints of Guinness and a, a fish and chips on the way home. And it was a dodgy fish and chips. It was a dodgy chipper, which only had one and a half stars for, for hygiene rating. But you didn't see that because you were pissed up and you went in and ordered their fish and chips. <laughs> and now you're on the bowl and you have food poisoning and you're all over the bloody place. That's the sort of day. So it's been a bit mad today. And um, I put a video on Twitter. I know not everybody has Twitter, but I put a video on Twitter just to talk about something that went down last night. I'm not going to bore you with it here, 
but I did take on a cardiologist called Asim Malhotra because he got all giddy with himself after um, getting into the Times of India where he was quoted saying that he believes that the COVID mRNA jabs played a significant role in the death of the cricketer Shane Warne who I'm a great admirer of. I was and am. I was because Shane is dead. He died in March of 2022. So I took this on last night because it's outrageous really. Malhotra doesn't know anything about Shane Warne. He didn't treat him. He wasn't present at the autopsy. And it's, I don't know if I should accuse it or, or, or make the grifting accusation. Maybe I shouldn't do that, right? Mea culpa. Maybe I should, I don't know. But it is wretched. It's wretched behaviour by Malhotra. Not for the first time. And you see today doctors from around the world are having a field day with him. Um, what I found really funny was the reaction I received to it from people who were strangely following me on Twitter, but 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 even more strangely, didn't have any idea about the Richie Allen show or what it is I did. And that says a lot about affirmation and how so many people, not you, but how so many people crave affirmation. And because they crave affirmation, they go looking for echo chambers. And I seem to be followed by a lot of people who maybe saw a tweet that I put out in the past criticising the vaccines. So they automatically jump on me and follow me because I say something they approve of. But they don't know anything about the radio show. And uh, some of the messages I received were hilarious. Absolutely hilarious, you know. The ad hominem thing and the straw man argument. Not taking on the argument I was making against Malhotra making this outlandish claim about Shane Warne. But going after me in another way, which is what happens, you see on social media. Idiots saying, you don't know that it wasn't. Well, that's absolutely true. I don't know that the jabs didn't feature in Shane's demise, of course, but I'm not the one making that claim. I'm not out there saying the jabs had nothing to do with Shane Warren's death. I never said a word until I saw Malhotra doing what Malhotra and the trucer industrial complex does. It's wretched. And I really... It kind of, it, it beautifully sums up what I've been banging on about for years. You know, people falling for this stuff and getting very upset then when anybody challenges it, you know. We have to challenge everything, everything, don't we? Whatever you might say about me and I can be like anybody else, I can be a curmudgeonly old fecker from time to time, but I've never had a pop at you or anybody else for challenging anything that you've heard on this programme, either via, via a guest or from me. I've never done that. Never had a pop at you. Challenge away. During the phone-ins, whatever, come on, take it on. That's what it's all about. Of course, you can't have debates on Twitter because people it's far too easy for people to completely ignore your point and attack you on something that you haven't said or even employed, you know. The ashes are on right now, of course. The first test ended yesterday. It's a massive big deal for a cricket fan like me. The timing is very curious, this Asim Malhotra guy putting out this stuff. But there is a number of these doctors who have launched their own podcasts and who spend all of their time interviewing one another about vaccine harms. I wonder how did they manage to fit in any doctoring, if you understand, any treatment of any patients? How did they manage to find the time? You know, I, I don't get this. A good friend of mine, I won't, a recently acquired friend, I won't mention the person's name, but has given them the label, the um, doctors on parade. The Judean people's front, I would call them, interviewing one another 
all the time about the same nonsense. We know the jabs are killing people. And I would say to cardiologists who are doing a really good job of getting their profile out there, right, like Malhotra, why, as a cardiologist, if you're so concerned about vaccine injuries, particularly to the heart, right, which we know is a big deal. We know a lot of people have suffered cardiac injuries post-COVID vaccination or COVID jabbing. We know this. I, I would be asking if I ever got the chance to interview Malhotra, he wouldn't come anywhere near me. Um, why don't you set up a clinic, you and one or two of your pals, to screen people who have had a jab but do regret it and would like some peace of mind? Thank you very much. Why not do that? That would be a noble thing to do, wouldn't it? You could even charge them a nominal fee to cover your basic costs, really. But... Um, no, it's wretched. It's wretched behaviour. And what's even more wretched is the fanboys of these people losing their minds when anybody dares to challenge them. There is no evidence that Shane Warne died because of the jabs. I know a lot about Shane Warne. I've read the biographies, his own autobiography. I was lucky enough to see him in Manchester in 2005 when I fell in love with cricket and it became a lifelong love. I'd never seen anything like him in all my life. This incredible spin bowler and batter and batsman, I should say. and uh, But he was a madman, Shane. In a good way, he was Shane McGowan and George Best and, and Gaza. He drank heavily. He smoked heavily. He took recreational drugs. His weight ballooned up and down. He went on these crazy crash diet fads. And he was being treated for heart disease before COVID. Right? So you don't really have any justification as a cardiologist putting it out there that, you know, uh, Chain Warren's death has been linked to the COVID jabs. That's bullshit. And it is nonsense. And it does a grave disservice, in my opinion, to the many doctors and nurses, good people, who put into the public domain that which they know and that which they can prove. It does them a great disservice. And then you begin to wonder about that. That's the last I'll say about it tonight. And in fact, it's the last... I'll say about it at all. There is a video on Twitter. My Twitter handle is BBG Richie. This is the Richie Allen radio show. You're not going to believe it. Thank God for this because I, I can't go more than three weeks without it. There is Greta news. There is Greta news. They sweep their mess under the carpet for our generation to clean up and solve. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams, my childhood, with your empty words. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. How dare you? Do you remember when we mentioned on the programme a couple of weeks back that Greta Thunberg was to be given the freedom of Dublin? Well, it's happening tonight. It's the first time that an environmental campaigner from overseas or anywhere in Ireland, I think, has been given the freedom of Dublin. So Greta Thunberg and a guy called Duncan Stewart will arrive in Dublin and they will be given the freedom of Dublin at a ceremony in the Mansion House this evening. <laughs> the Lord Mayor of Dublin, sadly, is a Green Party councillor called Caroline Conroy and she received the support of Dublin City Council. They all said, yeah, go on, give it to Greta. She's marvellous. Conroy said, I couldn't think of any other Irish person 
who had done more over such a long period of time to spread the word about environmental issues than Duncan. That's Duncan Stewart. And she went on to wax lyrical about how she's a huge admirer of Greta. Lovely. All right. Uh, speaking of climate nonsense, you know that old Egypt, Dunnikin McCarthy? You know that guy? Just to give him his proper title. No, I can't do it now. Because I've, um, I've, closed, my, I've closed my notebook. But Dunnikin McCarthy, he's written for the broadsheets in this country. And he's a climate evangelical. He's an Irishman. And he was on with uh, Julia Hartley Brewer this morning, talking about, giving out about the media and about climate change. Have a listen to this. We haven't taken action. We've done the opposite. We've invested something like $5 trillion in new fossil fuels and currently spending $1 trillion a year. And as a result of that, we are, Julia, seeing some of the uh, symptoms already um, unfolding around us. Um, the North, the Antarctic ice record is now at its lowest ever at this time of year. The North Atlantic is breaking temperature records and the seas around the UK are having an extraordinary uh-huh. heat trend of five degrees above. Uh, exactly. The, the, the this is it. This is my point, Donica. It's all over. We're all going to die. In which case, can we all just relax, enjoy a bit of, you know, Married at First Sight Australia um, and, and, and just relax, stop fussing, drive your diesel car, don't bother with the recycling and all that nonsense we all have to deal with every day. Eat what you want. Eat what you want. Drive your diesel car. Do whatever you like. Fly anywhere you want because it's over. We've passed the 1.5 degree threshold. The climate doom monger is not in approval of this at all. God, no. Drink what you want. I- Drink what you want. I like that, Julia. I don't know. People can go and do illegal drugs. We can have a free-for-all. Well, because humanity... No, no, Donica, Donica. You've gone from not doing anything. Humanity is over. It's really quite outrageous. It's outrageous what the right-wing media are doing. What are the right-wing media doing? It's unpatriotic. It's destructive. Unpatriotic. Patriotic. Because what you've done, what you've done is gone from 20, 30 years of saying it doesn't exist, and now saying it's all going to happen. Let's do nothing. He's got a good point there, Duncan McCarthy. Let's be honest. When somebody has a good point, even if they're an idiot, he's got a good point there. You, the right wing media, media, you've gone 25 years denying climate change is happening. Now you're saying, okay, but we've gone past the threshold, so let's party down like we haven't got long to live. That's a good point. I'm not, it's totally I'm, irresponsible. Well, I'm, That's totally irresponsible I'm, to be doing it's that. It's irresponsible. And what you, Julia, what Donna, I would love Donica, to do, Julia. Donica, don't go on. Pretty shrill. Just let him speak. Off oh. on a rant. I'm asking you a simple question. If... You've been ranting, if, so I can't tell if, you no, I'm, no, I'm just taking the mick because I just think this is hilarious. Because you well, know as well as I do, every yeah. single prediction that has been made by every top climate scientist to date has not come true. And that's every time... Complete, that's completely untrue, no, Julie. No, you can't say every that on, on prediction national that has been, and come up with it. Every single well, prediction... Because actually the opposite is happening. Every, no, the opposite is happening. We're all... Everything's going to be... Everything's going to be flooded. There'll be no, no snow no, in the no, Alps. There'll be... That's the Antarctic's melting. That's the Arctic's, paraphrasing. That's... That's memes. Look... It's not paraphrasing or memes. We've played audio on this programme from a number of these climate um, apocalyptic believers and they have said that if we don't stop you know, creating carbon. If we don't become carbon neutral, we will see London underwater. It's not memes. Listen to the, what are they called again? Extinction Rebellion and Just Stop Oil. Listen to them when they get on to talk radio or LBC. Some of their, some of their imaginations are amazing, really, you know. 
yeah, you'll be you'll be in twenty feet of water in London. Whales will be swimming past you as you're snorkeling your way down to the newsagent to pick up a I don't know a half dozen hot cross buns and the Daily Mail. You'll be you'll be swimming with whales. They're mad, these people. Mad, I tell you. What I'd love to do, Julia, is that you're a really important media person in the United Kingdom. What? She's a really important media person in the United Kingdom. Where's this going? What would you like to do? Can I have you ever sat down? Have you ever sat down? Have you sat down with, for an hour with a top scientist to discuss the seriousness of yes. the situation and the science behind yes. it? Who have you sat down yes. with? I, I cannot remember the genuine. No, genuinely, I've top sat down with a number of topics. I like to say, give me briefings. I want to talk. I I read yeah. around. I don't. I I'm not. She'd be fantastic after four or five wines, wouldn't she? Sunday afternoon in the beer garden, Julia Hartley Brewer. Not someone who judges. I I don't make my opinions based on things I read on Twitter. I do actually read documents. I look at reports. I look at I look yeah. at both sides on every topic, which is why I believe that that this doom mongering. Look, climate change but, could be happening. Look, there's no doubt we're coming out of the mini ice age. Climate change happening. I, How I, much it's man made is still so a debate. I, but that's I, not the put no. If I could get, Donica, if I could get you to have Donica, a meeting with, the, with, with a professor from Exeter University. And the Exeter University now, if I can get a meeting with him. The East Anglia, would you come to that meeting? Let's do that, 100%, let's do that. But can we do Thank that, off, can, we, can we talk about that off air? Because I wanna, oh, yeah. we've only got a very short time. Yeah, that sounds kind of, I don't know about you, it sounds a little bit like re-education, doesn't it? We need to take you for some re-education, Julia. You're obviously not getting the message. We're all going to die, love. So I've got a professor, Exeter University. He's going to explain it to you. He's going to tell it to you in a way that you understand it, love. We're all going to die if you don't basically stop living. That's it, isn't it? That should be the slogan. If you don't stop living, we're all going to die. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. It'll be on a t-shirt soon. Hi to Paul who says, Richie, every time someone seemingly fit and relatively young dies, there's now an avalanche of it's the jabs um, on Twitter and on Facebook. It is bizarre. And like you say, affirmation that a lot of people want to hear. Yes. Mike says Shane Warren smoked like a chimney. He did. He did. And again, look, we have to be balanced here. Um, I don't know the jabs didn't expedite Shane's problems. They might well have done. You know, but a responsible person would say, Jesus, you know, we know that the jabs are causing cardiac events in people. Now, if you were a party boy like Shane, and you liked a bit of Charlie every now and then. You smoked like a chimney. You drank like a madman. Yeah, Shane would be a candidate. You know, he would be somebody that, you know, maybe the jab accelerated his heart disease, maybe. That's fair enough, really. It would be pretty lousy. Now, 15 months after he died, now that the ashes are on, when you know you're going to get a lot of attention for saying something like that because the Aussies are in town. So I think it's a bit shitty. But I, I acknowledge he had the jabs. Those jabs have hurt people. But they may not have hurt Shane. Shane's time may very well have been up because he had a heart condition. And Shane said, you know what? I'm going to carry on living life to the fullest. You know, fair play to him, I say. Um, Paul from Northolt thinks that Mal- Malhotra is a grifter. But with so many sudden deaths of sports people, there are many that do speculate with clinical study based evidence. I think it's very suspicious that so many young people look, young people dropping dead on sports pitches isn't brand new, but it was very rare. Like you'd hear about one in a very blue moon, a very, very blue moon. You'd hear about one and you'd be Jesus. And you would find out that 
the kid had an undiagnosed congenital issue, maybe a hole in his or her heart. So it did happen, but very, very, very rarely. Now it's happening a lot and we're hearing more about these things as time goes on. So, of course, it's very suspicious. And yes, we believe on the basis of, on the grounds of probability, the jabs are at play or in play. The jabs are involved somehow. Yes, 100%. God help Dublin, says Grace Anne. That's in reference to the news that Greta Thunberg will be given the freedom of Dublin. I wonder what she'll do with the freedom of Dublin. One of the advantages of having the freedom of Dublin conferred on you, or on one, on one, if you have the freedom of Dublin conferred on one, you get to graze your lambs on St. Stephen's Green. Did you know that? How do, I, how do you know that, Paulie, with your big brainy head in you? Well, I don't have a big brainy head in me. I know this because you too, the rock band, who I used to love very much, were given the Freedom of Dublin many moons ago, I think in the year 2000. And they looked up the old charter, what did it mean? And Bono and the Edge took some lambs to St. Stephen's Green for a photo opportunity and the lambs did graze and then they did piss and shit all over the place. So they were quickly um, chopped up for chops. Adam says, yes, Adam, uh, the news is, is, is imminent. Just We just have to wait a little bit longer. Maybe have some time to talk about it towards the end of the programme. 21 minutes past the hour. Have a listen Have a listen even to this from the BBC today about Ukraine. Uh, now, Ukraine's Prime Minister says... Ah, you liar, Richie. This is Sky News and Sarah Jane Me. Uh, now, Ukraine's Prime Minister says his country needs almost £5 billion for this year alone to help its recovery. He has been speaking at the Ukraine Recovery Conference that's being hosted in London today and it's attended by thousands of people, including the US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. While opening the conference, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak outlined a package of support for the country. The British government will continue to play its full part. And I'm proud that today we're announcing a multi-year commitment to support Ukraine's economy. Over three years, we will provide loan guarantees worth $3 billion. We're also launching a new UK-Ukraine tech bridge to foster investment and talent along with support for green energy and more. With this and everything that we do here, we are sending a message that our support on the battlefield and beyond cannot be outlasted and that Ukraine's incredible spirit will prevail. Incredible spirit will prevail. Rishi Sunak, $3 billion, £2.5 billion of loan guarantees. The World Bank will provide £2.5 billion for Ukraine. And he has committed, Sunak, that the UK government, that the people of this country will guarantee that particular loan. It's madness, really, what's going on regards Ukraine. Jean-Anna sent me a very interesting thing. Uh, Via Lawrence Fox, funnily enough, he's been in as the news hasn't he in recent days burning the LGBTQ plus 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 IA plus flag whatever that is I tweeted I was on my run this morning I ran down to the cricket ground ran back this is what I do and uh, you've seen me on video today have you seen how amazing I look how fit I look I don't mean go- I'm not good looking I don't mean gorgeous but I mean the the, the, the body shape the, the shape I'm in he says, 13 stone, 8 pounds, 6 foot 6, there isn't an ounce of fat on the boy. Because I run 5 miles every day, so I ran down there, and right next to Old Trafford is Hotel Football, which is run by and owned by Gary Neville and business partners. 
and I took a photograph of it because they were featuring on their big screen that ridiculous flag that Lawrence Fox has burned in his garden. Yes. Travellers apparently want to be protected. I don't get this. Um, it's Dermot Kennedy. Oh, now I get it. Thank you, Gina. Dermot Kennedy is an Irish singer and he has apologised for using a racial slur during an interview in Canada. Right? He used the term knacker, which is a derogatory term for travelling people, for the travelling community. Knackers. I grew up in Ballybeg in Waterford. It was a great uh, place to grow up. I've often said this. Wonderful. Surrounded by kids. Big old housing estate. Loved it there as a young boy. And we were surrounded by halting sites. And we referred to, wrongly I think, we referred to the travellers as knackers. We shouldn't have done, maybe, knackers. But we did anyway. So uh, this guy has been outed as having used the term knacker, Dermot Kennedy. He's apologised to the to the to the traveller community of Ireland and everywhere else. And um yeah, Eileen Flynn is a Dublin senator. She's a traveller. Fair play to her. And she's written to Kennedy in relation to this. Yeah, it's all a bit mad. The time, dear listener, is I've no idea. It's uh, 25 minutes even past the air. Wednesday's programme, The Richie Allen Show, live on multiple platforms. Multiple platforms, by the way, around the world, including The Richie Allen Show app, which you can download via whichever store you've got on your phone. Look for it. Sometimes it's lifestyle, sometimes it's news, but it means you can reach out to the studio immediately and you can press a single button and listen to the show on your phone or on your mobile device yeah okay i've got to take a tune now don't even think i don't even think i've got one have i got one i've got one okay yeah a bit discombobulated today it's been mad today i mean it's been proper mad anyway thankfully we can settle down now fiona price will be with me in a moment what a fascinating lady i can't wait for you to meet her after the stones and sympathy for the devil We have, uh, we have an issue, we have a problem, Fiona's end. She is out and about travelling the country, as I mentioned earlier on, and uh, is, is not able to sort out her technical problem. And we, we can't hear her at the moment, which is a real shame, because I was so looking forward to this. We might end up having to reschedule it today. So we'll have to go a completely different, um, we'll have to go a completely different route now, I suppose. I'll probably take some phone calls from you. I've got some... Uh, news to bring you and some talking points, of course, as usual. I've got comments to read out, but it's um, likely that we're not going to be speaking with uh, Fiona today. The time is 24 minutes, by the way, to the top of the hour. Um, I'm Richie Allen. Like I said, lots to talk about. Let me take this from Eddie Cochran and we'll go another way after this. How about that? Yeah, th- th- There is a friend of mine and she would say Mercury is in retrograde, Richie. This is why you've got... Um, technical problems today but I don't know anything about astrology I nearly said astronomy there is Mercury in retrograde dear listener is it tell me tell me is it in retrograde I asked you help me out here listen on it's nice to get a a, a different point of view so David has sent this in he says Dr Malhotra has achieved wonderful results fighting the toxic influence of the food industry upon our poor health obesity 
and rampant diabetes especially. Sadly, owing to his social media presence, he was prominent in pushing the jabs initially, but has subsequently recanted. But you see, I'm not a truther, so I would never attack Malhotra because he pushed the jab or because he took the jab. That would be pathetic. I've never done that. I admire somebody who maybe took a COVID jab, maybe a doctor maybe, like him, who took a COVID jab and then realised, well, maybe that wasn't the, you know, appropriate thing to do. Maybe I took a big chance. Malhotra says, and I have no reason to doubt him because I don't know him, that his father was killed by a COVID jab and that was his moment of clarity with respect to the jab. So I totally respect, you don't beat somebody up just because they were pushing the jabs. Like within the trucer sphere, there are always people quick to demonise people and not to trust them. Well, he was saying this last year. Yeah, but maybe he meant it last year. Maybe he, as I said, had a moment of clarity. Maybe he has come to the understanding that the jabs are harmful and need to be avoided at all costs and that these jabs should not be given to any more people. You know, it's, it's, it's quite reasonable to me that Malhotra is sincere in what he has been saying. I don't like the celebrity aspect of it though and we've talked about this too many times but it seems to me that people get very fond of the attention very quickly. They get really fond of it and use their social media platforms often to put out very banal sweeping statements you know stating the bleeding obvious and very bombastic statements like uh, I will never surrender which are designed to do nothing else other than to get approval from followers and it's rubbish that it really is rubbish and um, that would be my question to these doctors like is, is this it like do you plan on sitting around on podcasts till the end of time talking about the dangers of vaccines or do you actually plan on doing something about it and I wasn't being unkind when I said earlier on that some of these people could give something back to the followers who have given them a lot of money through buy me a coffee and all the rest of it you know like how about doing some pro bono work and screening people who had a jab and I might be thinking Japers you know I shouldn't have had a jab I wonder am I okay screening I don't know is that a bit um, bit silly is it a bit out there to expect this of people I don't know okay Ian says Richie uh, hi Ian Ian don't be asking silly questions hi to Chris and to Brendan Brendan says I had a bit of a decision to make he says I'm in a folk band tonight is practice night but also we were asked if we would play at the Ukrainian event tonight taking place where we practice. Now everybody has said yes, says Brendan. Unfortunately, because of the reality of why they are promoting Zelensky and all that goes with this for the event, so tonight's the first practice I've missed. I never thought I'd be in this position just getting it off my chest, says Brendan. So the band he's in is practicing tonight, but they were asked if they would play at the Ukrainian event taking place where they practice. And Brendan has exempted himself and has said he's not going to go because he understands a bit more about what's going on in Ukraine. He says that with a heavy heart, does Brendan. Brendan, I, you have my sympathy, but um, you've got to go with your conscience, don't you, ultimately. It's uh, 17 minutes to the top of the hour. That is all anyone can do, is go with your own conscience. 
drop me a message through richieallen.co.uk where it says comment life or use the app for that. William says I can forgive but I will never forget. And then he says he enjoyed yesterday's programme. Thank you, William. And John C. Cash, who's just another, I've never heard of this person, who says you're softening your stance on Malhotra now because you realise it could cost you money. Um, how could my stance on Malhotra cost me any money? Could you explain that to me? You see, I don't have um, narcissistic um, childish listeners listening to this programme. I have intellectuals, I believe, mostly listening to this programme and they don't mind being challenged or hearing something they don't like. My stance on Malhotra hasn't softened. It is pathetic to be putting out stuff um, claiming that you know that there was a link between the jabs and the death of Shane Warne. That is pathetic. It is counterproductive. And like I said during my video today, it is manna from heaven for people like Mariana Spring and the BBC. And I don't think, you see, unlike you, John C. Cash, and probably many of the people you follow, I don't filter what it is I say through some process of thinking about, well, I wonder if what I am about to say will cost me support. I mean, how long have you really listened to me? Do you really think that I give a second thought about support when I say what it is I feel like saying or interview who it is I choose to interview? You're a silly man, John. Why don't you use your real name and use a real photograph of yourself? Be a man about it. Don't be a troll. Um, I'm not softening my stance at all. It is absolutely outrageous for Malhotra to make a claim about Shane Warren, somebody he's never met, he's never treated, and somebody whose autopsy he had nothing to do with. End of story. And again, I have to reiterate, um, it's even more pathetic for other people to say, well, uh, have you any proof the jabs? But I never said the jabs didn't do for Shane Warren. John says, Richie, according to Peter McCulloch, there's an Italian health study showing pro and semi-pro athletes died of heart attacks at a rate of around 29 a year. They found last year the total was 283. I'd like to see that, John. I don't doubt it, but I would like to see it. Thank you. Faisal says, regarding Julia Hartley Brewer, you would think she would prepare properly for interviews with people like Dunica McCarthy with some quotes of these falsified predictions and give him a proper run for his money. I suppose in this instance, Faisal, you blame the producers. She will have a producer, maybe two, and an editor. And yeah, those people are supposed to be constantly filtering into her during interviews. When I produced talk radio for a presenter, my job was basically, well, it was a nightmare. It was a wonderful job and it was a nightmare because I had to act in real time. So when he was interviewing a politician or a public figure, I had to be listening to everything that was being said and cross-referencing what the interviewee was saying with the notes that I had due to my research. And then I would have to filter into my presenter's ear through talkback while he was speaking live on air. He's bullshitting there, Billy, because he said this before or because his party has said this or whatever. That's how it works. So maybe Brewer's producers are not up to it, maybe. But um, it's easy to, to, to take apart people like Donica McCarthy. 
and their apocalyptic visions of where we will be if we don't stop producing CO2. Stop living or we'll all die. It's not unkind, that, is it? Because that's how it is, isn't it, with these people? We need to stop living before we die, you know? Absolutely. Patrizia says, the climate change fanatics, or strange fanatics, it's all such a terrible waste of time and money. God is the boss of the world. Leave it to him, says Patrizia. Hmm. Yeah. It's not for everybody, the God is in charge theory. But uh, I don't know. Uh, you might very well be right. Jacob has been on to say, Richie Malhotra was used to promote the jabs to the Asian community. Not once has he publicly said that he was wrong. Not, not once has he publicly said that he was wrong to push the jabs. But he keeps on repeating that the data changed. That's Jacob. Mm. Alice has been on to say, um, regarding this John Cash person, isn't it a person's privilege to change his or her mind? Yes, it is. I don't know Asim Malhotra. So I don't know what what happened to, like when his dad died. You, you know, I'm presuming that this is a true story. His dad died because of the jabs. But that's a terrible thing. That is going to change your mind, right? Now, there are those who say about Malhotra that Malhotra was intelligent enough to know that there was something wrong with the speed of the development of the mRNA jabs, that there is something wrong with pushing this experimental therapy at people when there isn't a serious pandemic. There was no pandemic. So Malhotra's most fierce critics, and I've seen them on social media, they say, you knew that COVID wasn't a very serious illness. You knew that. You knew that it had a, its, its mortality rate was basically insignificant. You knew that the average age of somebody dying with COVID and dying with COVID meant anybody who died but who had a, had a positive test within 28 days. So his critics were saying to him, to Malhotra, you knew COVID was virtually nothing to worry about. Virtually. So why did you push the jabs? Why were you not asking questions about mRNA technology? Why, as a doctor, were you not saying, we don't have any long-term safety data? And that's what his critics say. They say that his epiphany is a bit rich because he should have known better from the outset, even pre his father dying from having one of the shots. Now, I can't speak to that because I don't know Malhotra. You know? Somebody once said to me on this programme, Richie, doctors don't know very much. Doctors were very good at cramming in university. Very, very good at it. In fact, I met a doctor years ago, long before I presented alternative talk radio, and this was um, a doctor I met in Spain, young woman actually. She was uh, on holiday in Spain with her daughters, a fairly young woman. And we were talking about it and I said, oh, you know, it must have been mental medical school and all of that. And the woman's name was Nikki. And she said to me, funnily enough, she says, most of us these days have to keep referring to the books. And I said, so you don't basically carry that knowledge with you? And she went, no, no, most of it you've got to keep going back got to reference what you learned, what you did. You just don't know this stuff. You crammed for it like everybody else crammed. And I crammed for my exams. I don't remember much, to be honest. You know, I can't quote quatrains at you. You know, I can't tell you too much these days without going back into books and going back into notes. I can't tell you much about Wordsworth, you know, Shelley, Byron, Yeats. I, I can't really. So presumably you just cram like a bastard, get your dissertations in, do your exams 
and then graduate and then and then that's it. Pretty much what this doctor said to me. We you know and you see this if you go into an NHS I went to see a young Nigerian doctor who's working in Salford now at a surgery in Salford went to see her didn't didn't know I was going to see her because you never know who you are going to see went to this is with the uh, lung and chest issues she was actually lovely this woman spent about 25 minutes speaking with her lovely woman a really lovely woman genuinely concerned and full of chat right which is a real change to what you normally hear because you hear in and out in five minutes but as I was saying well I had a bit of this and I had a bit of that she was looking it up on the computer so it wasn't occurring to her off the top of her head as we say right on the fly it wasn't occurring to her right well he might have a bit of this he might have a bit of that she had to go in and look it up now I was thinking to myself but I didn't say it out loud of course I didn't Um, I could do that I could do that. Sit you down. Yes, 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 Dave. Yes, yes, you've what? Sneezing a bit, Dave. Yeah, and it hurts sometimes when you cough. It's is it, is it a sharp pain? It is, Dave. A sharp pain. Hang on a second. Sharp pain. And drop down menu. Drop down menu. Ask another question to Dave. Okay, Dave. Any 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 mucus with that? There is. There is. Right, Dave. Um, it's telling me to give you a prescription. I think that's how it works these days. I don't think I'm being unkind. That's pretty much how it works. Tim says, Richie, not blowing your trumpet, but after what you repeated, is that it is on us to build the bridge with those whom we fell out with during lockdown. I've made a promise to myself to visit my dad and mum this weekend for the first time in a year, just for a chat and to touch base. Thanks for the nudge, says Tim. Well done, Tim. That has absolutely lifted me not that I needed lifting I'm in good form that is wonderful Tim absolutely right they're your blood doesn't matter if they haven't seen through it it doesn't matter if they think that Tim's gone a bit mad they're your blood they're your mum and dad and if anything happened to them you'd never ever forgive yourself many years ago a very good friend of mine who I won't mention came to visit me in Spain and he hadn't spoken to his dad in some time and I sat him down and I said, now, you know that I didn't have much of a dad, right? Yeah. Um, I would have loved your dad. Yeah. Um, why did you fall out with him? And it was so petty and so typically Irish. I said, if, imagine if you got home from Spain, you found out that he dropped dead. Go and speak to him. He's your dad. He'll always be your dad. And um, I say that to anybody who lost touch with family members because they didn't listen when you said don't have a jab because they might be very dangerous or why are we locking down there's no need for it they're killing children they're wrecking people's lives and your family didn't listen and you maybe got into an argument move on I say move on Wiz has been on to say I read the article that Malhotra tweeted and he doesn't claim the jab was partly to blame for the death of Warren. He says it could have contributed. Um, he said, I know exactly what he said because he's been repeating it on Twitter and he went further than could have. He said the jabs are linked to the death. He said linked. Now that's unfair. Malhotra does not know that the jabs are linked to the death of Shane Warren. He has no knowledge of that. He is entitled as a, as a qualified man to say 
he, he is undoubtedly qualified to say, you know, with what we know about the jabs causing problems for people with 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 heart problems, right? With what we know about the jabs maybe inducing heart problems in people or accelerating the heart problems in people who had a previous condition. With what we know about that, maybe the death of Shane Warne maybe bears further investigation. That's fair, you see. That's scientific. That is even ethical. Now you might say, why are you doing that now? The ashes is on. What difference does it make? Shane died 15 months ago. But he said the jabs are linked. And he did it to get a headline in the Times of India, which he bragged about. He went really big on it. This is huge, he said on Twitter. What's huge about it? You know, that's very, that's very, you know, narcissistic is too, is too, is too, what's the word I'm looking for? It's too simplistic. It's more than that. That's somebody who likes himself a lot and who likes the attention. And you see this an awful lot. Remember, I've been doing programmes like this for many, many years. And you see doctors who come out and they say something. And they get an enormous following from those who want to be affirmed. And they really like that. This is why they all of a sudden start launching podcasts. Why? You're a doctor. Why don't you go back to work like? You know? Like, if, if a band you liked continued to put out the same single every six weeks or every two months. You'd get tired of it, wouldn't you? You'd say, anything new? Have you got anything new to contribute? Have you got a new song? But these doctors, they spend all their time talking to one another, saying the same shit day in, day out. They're not practising medicine, presumably. But you're not allowed to speak about this, you can't, because, because they're fanboys and fangirls that go into meltdown. I think it's because they fear, oh, don't take it away from me. Don't take the com- comfort blanket away from me, Richie. I get my affirmation from these people. I get my affirmation. I get told that I am right. You know. Big Dave says, Donica McCarthy should lead by example and stop exhaling CO2. Christopher thinks we are heading towards a corporate world. I think we're already there, Christopher. He says, could Ukraine, UA, become the first country to be privately owned by BlackRock? Good question. Becky says, Richie, Love the show. You just mentioned a producer's job. It reminds me of series three, episode five of The Thick of It, with Richard Bacon being the radio presenter, interviewing the two political parties and really showing what a shit show it all is behind closed doors. Very funny episode, says Becky. Thanks for everything you do. Yeah. Sean says, if people want to help the planet, chuck your rubbish in the bin Stop using protest banners which use oil, plastic, wood and paper. The hypocrisy, uh, says Sean. Michelle says, the last few times I ever saw a GP, they were using Google. One GP gave me the wrong information and I was able to go back to her with what was correct the following day. By doing a more in-depth internet search, I deregistered from the GP back in 2020. It is a service I can live without, says Michelle. Hmm. Steve says, Richie, regarding Shane Warne, the official inquest has found the jabs most probably contributed to his death. That's not true, Steve. That isn't true at all. Uh, I challenge you to go back online. You'll find that is not uh, true. Uh, True even. (laughs) 
<laughs> T-R-U-E, Richie. It is not true. No inquest finding that the jabs contributed to Shane Warren's death at all. Catherine says, I think you're wrong, Richie, regarding Malhotra. The jabs are lethal. No two ways around it. Uh, Catherine, when have I ever said that the jabs haven't been doing harm? I've been saying it since, as I said on my video today, when Malhotra was having his jab, I was um, interviewing doctors who were warning people not to have them. What's wrong with you? She says, I am a health professional treating those with jab injuries. I'm sure you are. Why don't you send me your contact details, Catherine? I'll give you a ring. We can have a chat. Right? I've interviewed people who have been injured by COVID jabs. That's my job, right? It's pretty simple. What is the BBC not doing? What is ITV not doing? What is RTE not doing? Well, we'll do what they're not doing. We'll do their job for them. That's all we do. It's all I do. It isn't rocket science. It deserves no credit. It's what we do. I don't understand why people keep coming back at me, telling me the jabs are dangerous. I mean, do you listen to the programme? Yes. But this cardiologist is putting out statements about the jabs being linked to a sportsman and that is something he has no knowledge of. None. And it, it doesn't matter that the jabs might have harmed Shane Warren. It doesn't matter. Do you understand? It doesn't matter. He doesn't know that. Therefore, he shouldn't say it. Because as I said a few minutes ago, and it's very important to repeat this point, it's manna from heaven for people who want to discredit doctors who are doing good work, asking questions, challenging the narrative. Manna from heaven. Do you not see that? Do you not understand what I'm saying when I say that? You know? Anywho. Speaking of vaccine promoters, for, for what I'm about to do, I'm, I'm truly sorry. I'll read more of your messages when I come back. We'll look at one or two other news stories. Apologies that we don't have Fiona Price on the radio show today. I was really looking forward to that. It's nobody's fault, really. Technical problem, Fiona's end. We'll get it sorted and we'll get her on the programme. If not tomorrow, I don't think tomorrow, we'll get her on the programme next week. She's a fascinating woman with an amazing story to tell. The time is a minute past six. It's the Richie Allen Show. This is you too. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for from the Joshua Tree album. Yeah, that's the one. It's, um, what is it? It's uh, Wednesday's programme, 21st of June, 2023. Uh, summer solstice, the warmest, not the warmest, it is warm though, the longest day of the year. So it is. Thank you for your messages. They are very good. I like them. Um, the window cleaner says, doctors spend about seven years learning from a manual. And out of that seven years, they spend approximately two hours on nutrition. Do you know that to be true, honestly? Because that sounds a bit hard to believe. They only spend two hours and seven years on nutrition? Really? All they know is what's in the manual, says the window cleaner. If you ask them about something which isn't in the manual, or that isn't in the manual, like about alternative medicine, they haven't a clue. It tells them which drugs to prescribe to block the symptoms the patient has, but not about the side effects of those drugs. I don't believe that, actually. I do believe that when a doctor prescribes something for a patient, they do have to make them aware of side effects. In any case, 
when you pick up a prescription from the chemist, even if it's something as benign as a salbutamol inhaler, it does come with a leaflet inside which does advise you of any side effects. But I take your point about seven years and then spending, you know, most of your day sitting opposite patients while you're looking things up online. It's a bit crazy because our family doctors, of course, didn't do that because the Internet didn't exist. And they certainly didn't do it by looking at the Great British or Great Irish Medicine book. They, you know, they worked on, I don't know, on their experience, I suppose. I really don't know. That's an interesting one. Anyway, the monk says, Richie, I think you hit the nail on the head in the video. This plays right into the hands of the so-called misinformation police like the BBC. Well, it is. It's an open goal for any journalist. Now, I don't believe there are... I don't believe the BBC has a journalist within its many, many buildings. I really don't believe that. Not anymore, anyway. It used to have journalists, maybe. Many of them left because they couldn't bear working for an institution like that, right? But, um, you know, it is an open goal for a journalist. Like, if you want to go after somebody, if you want to go after somebody, somebody who has who, or, or who is a doctor like Malhotra, that, that's an open goal. When they come out and they start linking COVID jabs to the death of somebody like Shane Warne, and they have no idea, they're making it up as they go along, that is an open goal. And now it could very well be that he's very naive. But um, I would find that hard to swallow, that he's very naive. Now Baird has come on to say, Malhotra, this is a counterpoint here, is one of the UK's leading cardiologists. But how do we know that? How, how do we know he's a leading cardiologist? I would, I would take a gamble, take a punt and say there are hundreds, if not maybe a thousand, maybe more cardiologists in the UK. What qualifies him as a leading one? Right? And Baird says he's not just a grifter. You don't get qualified to where he was unless you know a thing or two about the body. He's a specialist, so you can't expect him to know everything. But what he has said and done about diet might be really helping a lot of people. And I'm sure he's helped many people with heart problems throughout his career, which he has now sacrificed. Again, has he sacrificed it? He hasn't been struck off, has he? He can work in the private sector. You know, guys like him, cardiologists, they make a lot of money in the private sector. He says, does Baird Malhotra was humble enough to admit not only was he misled and wrong about the jabs, but that he's been misled about a lot of the science. Now, not many people of his status have done that, says Baird. He might be an attention-seeking horse, says Baird. He might be also speaking from vast experience. I've no idea. I'm sure Richie knows right. I don't. Haven't a clue. That's the beauty of what it is I do. I speculate and I hypothesise. I haven't a clue about what sort of human being Asim Malhotra is. None. It's just speculation. Take it with a pinch of salt. But um, Malhotra says, I do hope that whatever he does helps others, doctors and scientists, grow a pair of balls and speak out too. That's all, all very fair points. Absolutely right. 100% right. It, it's no bad thing that anybody who has worked as a doctor, as a consultant, as a cardiologist, as a, as a gynecologist, whatever, people with experience of medicine, it is absolutely no bad thing when they come out and say, you know what, I'm looking at the evidence, it looks like these jobs are doing great harm. That is no bad thing because you can be absolutely certain that somebody 
who was about to have a jab, maybe a second one, maybe a third one, looked at Malhotra online and thought, you know what, I'll give it a miss. So that's that's a win, right? That That is an absolute win. So this is why I use the phrase sometimes, you know, what has somebody got in the bank? Now, him saying, I believe the jabs are dangerous, that's got to be something to put in the bank, regardless of what anybody else says about him, like he, he should have known, you know, why wasn't he speaking out about the rushed into production at the speed of light, brand new jabs? Well, only he knows the answer to that, I don't know. And it's unfair of me to say, well, he must have known. And, and to be definite about that, because I don't know. You see? Anyway, you, you seem to be pretty split on this. A number of you think that the guy's an attention seeker. A number of you think that he's an absolute gift. And, uh, you know, it might be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> this is the thing. By the way, I've um, been speaking with um, Fiona Price, who you are going to love. And I'm very sorry we couldn't speak with her today. She will be on with me tomorrow. We will spend the best part of tomorrow sorting out the tech issue there to make sure that she's live on the programme tomorrow. I'll just move everything on by a day. That's how you do it. I'll move it on by a day. Yeah, I'm, I'm old school me, you see. How do you do it, Paulie? How do you carry on waffling on about nothing? Because I'm an expert at waffling on about nothing, is the answer. Now, Gillian says, Richie, I'm an ex-NHS professional. I became suspicious with the swine flu scam. Yes, remember swine flu. Remember pandemrix, dear listener. Will you take pandemrix? Take pandemrix? What is it? Well, it's a vaccine. Why do I need to take it? Well, it'll prevent you from getting swine flu. But sure, nobody gets swine flu. What are you talking about, you mad bastard? Nobody gets swine flu. Yes, we'll take pandemrix. And some poor feckers took pandemrix. And some of them developed narcolepsy. And this is only a decade, a little over a decade ago. Thank you, Gillian. So I refused to give the vaccines. She refused to give pandemics to Gillian. Right? She was told, do your job. You've got to do it. She refused to do it. She said the patients didn't have informed consent. So Gillian told her bosses to fake off. She resigned, took her pension, took a lump sum. She retrained as a Reiki EFT practitioner. Subsequently, people died from swine flu vax. It was a test, says Gillian. Yes, some people did die from pandemics. Absolutely true. Some people died. But the big issue with pandemics was narcolepsy. Isn't that lovely? Take a vaccine for something that isn't going to, you know, that, that won't worry you. Swine flu. You're not going to get it. But have a vaccine in any case. I'll go on then. I'll trust you, doctor. Next thing you've got, narcolepsy. Wow. Ian says, Richie, great show today. It's not great today, Ian, but thank you very much. Thank you for saying that. It isn't great today, but it's all right. Fair to middling today. He says, um, my experience of doctors, they seem to work on the basis of trial by error. Like they avoid direct questions. By the way, your diet of no bread and lots of water has to date reduced me down from 133 kilograms to my current weight of 116 kilograms. I'm on the way to 95 kilograms by the end of the year. Thank you for that, says Robert. Says Ian. Good man, Ian. Yeah. If you're heavy, and maybe you're very heavy, and you want to lose some weight, listen to the BBG now. It's very straightforward. Number one, cut out bread. Cut out bread. Cut out processed food as best as you possibly can. Do not eat anything after six o'clock in the evening. Ever. Ever. 
drink gallons of water, but be careful, don't dilute your blood, you know, don't, I don't know what the medical term for that is, but you can kill yourself by drinking too much water. So drink three litres of water a day, nothing after six o'clock, and get out and power walk. And the weight will fall off you. Promise you. I've seen it. I, I've recommended this to many a person and many a person have come back to me and said, Richie, thank you very much. You've changed my life. Kev says, my best friend took the jab so that he could travel. I was speaking to him a while ago. He told me he went for an x-ray or a scan for a lump in his chest, which was all good. But they told him he had an enlarged heart. He's only 44, says Kev. I know that shit happens, but still a bit strange. Yes, and who knows, right? Thank you, Kev. Uh, Jules says, no doctor has ever told me about side effects. Thank you, Jules. Thank you very much. Sean came back on to say, can you repeat the name of the book that Fiona sent you? Yes, I can. It is called The Ultimate Relationship, The One With Yourself. It's her story from the inside out. Uh, serial entrepreneur, international athlete, equestrianism, rowing, psychology degree. She's travelling around Ireland. She wants to create a community. We're going to talk about it on tomorrow's programme. We really are. And it'll be a, a very interesting conversation, no doubt. The time is rapidly approaching 16 minutes past the hour of six o'clock. I'm Richie Allen. It's been a mad day. God, it's been a mad day. It really has, with um, the uh, tech issues here in the studio, all sorted now, thankfully, and everything else that went with that, and, and then Fiona, and everything that went with that. Pretty warm day. What is making the news? By the way, Jean Ann sent me that news story about Dermot Kennedy, and I made a complete balls of it, because I was reading it on the fly. Dermot Kennedy is an Irish singer, and he's been widely criticised in Ireland for using a slur word about travellers, but he didn't. He didn't. He was on stage in North America and he basically said, he did an interview and he basically said he was knackered. Knackered is an Irish slang term for being very tired. I'm sure you know this because I've heard English people use the term knackered quite often. I'm knackered, Richie. Where'd you get that from? Somebody will say with a Cockney accent, knackered has travelled as a phrase that's travelled well. So apparently he said I'm knackered and now he's been accused of being effectively bigoted against the travelling community in Ireland. And he's been criticised roundly by Eileen Flynn, who became the first woman from the travelling community to sit in the Shannad, which is the upper house of the Irish Parliament. She, she described Dermot Kennedy as a role model for children and for young traveller men, but said his comment was very foolish. Yes, Dermot Kennedy is a traveller, is he? Um, I don't know. People people love to get upset these days. People love to get upset, don't they? They go looking. And, and you know the worst thing is it's bad enough that people go looking for, for, for opportunities to take offence. But you know what's worse than that? People spend an inordinate amount of time, don't they, looking for opportunities to take offence on behalf of other people. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Scaring Twitter, looking for the opportunity to take offence on behalf of somebody else, of another group of people, an identity group, gays, lesbians, trans people, go looking for it. It's bizarre. It's a bizarre word, isn't it? It really is. Hi to Chantal. Richie. Hi, Chantal. France used to have 
used French people used to used to be required to have a TV license. The fee was about 115 pounds, but it was abolished last year. Now says Chantel, people thought this was a marvelous decision by our French president, but I don't see it that way. Now that the TV license is gone, the government is paying for the cost, which means the government now totally owns the narrative. Do as we say, or we cut your funding. It's obvious what the plan was. People are too stupid and up their own arses to even generate one critical thought and think for themselves. I must speak to El Frogo Tremendo about this, because she'll know more about France than I will know. My friend Sophie. By the way, Sophie and Andrew, good evening. And thank you. I've written to Andrew, and I'm dedicating this programme to your good selves. Not the best programme to dedicate to you now, but but anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I'm filibustering. <laughs> Is what I'm doing all the way through. Very good at that, Baldy. I've had plenty of experience. I didn't know this, so the French television licence fee was abolished last year. I should know this shite. I bet you I read this in The Guardian, but I don't remember it. But thank you, Chantal. And people thought, great stuff. We don't have to pay for it anymore. But now the French government is paying for the national channel. And that's not good because they can tell the channels, do what we tell you or your funding will be cut. Thank you so much for that, Chantal. Mark is in Warrington. I'm a bit chubby, Richie. He says, I cut out the bread, cut out processed food, but I couldn't manage to cut out the cider and the gin. The cider. Can't do that accent either. I still lost 25 kilos over 12 months. Yes, Mark. Yes, it can be done. I don't care how desperate you think the situation is. It can be done. Look at Tyson Fury. Tyson was 28 stone when he was at his lowest ebb. Well, Richie, that's a bit different now because he's a professional athlete and he had access to trainers and to equipment. No, he didn't. Well, he did, obviously. But it wasn't the trainers and the specialist equipment that saw Tyson lose all that weight. It was not. It was cutting down on the shit and getting out and walking. And I don't know if you've seen heavyweight boxers run. They're not running very quickly. I'd beat Tyson Fury over 5k and he's a younger man than me because he's a big massive man. And Deontay Wilder. They don't run very quickly but they do jog. If you cut out this shit. When we returned to the UK from Spain or just before I was 18 and a half stone. I was disgusted with myself. And I'm not sizest now. I am not sizest. <laughs> Is that a term? I don't hold prejudice, any prejudice against heavy people. I know some heavy people. I don't care that they're heavy. It doesn't change my opinion of them. But I looked at myself and I thought, this is disgraceful. It is going to stop. So drinking all the lager stopped. Eating food in the evening stopped. It takes a little bit of discipline. I can tell you, early doors, it's my wronglish, wronglish coming out, Ron, Ron Atkinson. Early doors, difficult, difficult because old habits die the hardest. But I managed it. I drank lots and lots of bottled water. Didn't have distilled water. Bottled water. Stay away from the tap water, which is full of shite, right? And I got stuck into it. And I began to jog. I run today and I'll do five miles some days in 35 minutes or less. That's good, dear listener. 
for a 48-year-old guy with dodgy knees. But but I run, and I've been doing it for years, right? Now, Ronnie O'Sullivan is the same age as me, and he can run a lot quicker than that. So it's it's doable, right? But I run it in a good time for a guy my age. Anyway, here's the um, the kicker. The weight falls off you. Cut out the crap. No sweets. No bars of chocolate during the day. Loads of water. And... Do not eat after six o'clock. Your metabolism slows down. You don't process that food the way you do during the day when your energy levels are high and you're up and about. In fact, there was a gentleman who used to own the corner shop around the corner from us. Pakistani gentleman called Mo. We miss him. He was fantastic. He used to have his sons work in the shop. Lovely fella. And Mo was a big old, big old unit, Mo. You know, and he used to see me running with my German Shepherd Jazz, with our German Shepherd. She died a couple of years ago and she used to run with me everywhere. And he said to me, you know, I see out there, he said, I'm very impressed by this. I need to lose some weight and I told him to do that. Water, no sugars. Get the sugar out of your diet. Get out for a walk. If you feel like you're getting antsy of an evening and you want that cup of tea with five sugars, get up off your arse and go for a walk around the block. And he did it and he lost kilo after kilo after kilo. Don't be despondent if you're heavy and think, I can't do it. You can do it. If I could do it, 18 and a half stone, dodgy knees, right? Asthma, right? Which, which, which I have and have had. If I could get out there and turn myself into a bloke now who runs five miles a day, seven days a week, anybody can do it. Grace Ann says, I'll never understand how doctors can diagnose you over the phone. These days you've got to fight with a receptionist to convince them your symptoms are serious enough to even merit a return call from the doctor. That's tragic, but it is true. Heather says, Richie, I'm a teacher in Scotland. I will email you one day about some of the nonsense going on, says Heather. The other day you were talking about faith schools and wondering if they're any better. My daughter goes to one and it's night and day. Their sex education programme is much more sensible and sane. Thank you for the great show, says Heather. I think you're gaslighting me now today, dear listener. I think you're gaslighting me because bo- both of us know that this is far below the standard now that you would expect from the Richie Allen show. And I am in no way fishing for compliments. We should have had a guest on. It didn't work out. We'll do it tomorrow. I've just been gabbing away, talking about bollocks for the last hour. Here are the animals and the house of the rising sun on your Richie Allen Show. The animals and house of the rising sun on the Richie Allen Show. It's coming up for 29 minutes past six. Wednesday's programme, it all fell apart around about five to five. (laughs) It all went tits up, Captain. That's what happened. Oh, God, they're talking on the BBC as I speak about this sub... I can't really talk about this sub, you know, this uh, Titan sub that went on an expedition to the Titanic. I never thought I was claustrophobic. I never thought I had any semblance of claustrophobia about my person or my mind. But I did get a few shivers this morning thinking about that. Because we are empaths, aren't we, human beings? Well, we are. You and me, we're empaths. We do think about other people. And I thought about them down there. And I thought, I got the willies, to be honest. Two and a half miles below the surface of the ocean with the sub, the little sub moving nowhere, wondering will they run out of oxygen 
into will, will they run out of oxygen before somebody reaches them? It's it's a rotten one, really. I, we we love a good conspiracy theory, you and me, don't we? Somebody tried to link what's going on with um, Gillian Maxwell, didn't they? That somebody on board the sub or somebody who's got something to do with the sub is connected somehow to Gillian Maxwell. I probably should have copied and pasted a link so I could give you more info on that, but it's you, you see so much stuff on social media. What, you know, <laughs> what can you say about that? I mean, it might be true that the billion, might be the British billionaire who's on board, but as an empath, you hope to, to jeepers. I've softened my blaspheme stance, by the way. I'm going to refrain as much as I can refrain and avoid invoking the name of our Lord. And you know one of the reasons for this is you won't know this if you don't listen to Sunday Morning Melodies. And if you don't listen to Sunday Morning Melodies, by the way, you're missing the greatest music radio programme ever presented. I'm a very modest man, ordinarily. Sunday Morning Melodies is the greatest programme on earth. I mean, it is. It's not really. It's not even in the top 6,000, but it's a programme I like doing. But if you, if, if you listened last Sunday... My pal Gene Ann Crowley sent me a copy of the Holy Bible, which I have in my hand. It's a beautifully embossed copy, the King James Holy Bible, and it's leather bound, and the pages. I don't know if you can hear that. This is like um, ASMR now. Shall I do that sometimes, if there's nothing to talk about? If I don't have a guest, shall I do ASMR? Do you know about this phenomenon? ASMR. I'm jumping from one topic to the next. Before I tell you about ASMR, which is um, some people use to help them get to sleep, some people with, with, with um, insomnia. But Jean Ann sent me the Bible, and it's there. And she said to me, just skip forward to Revelation. It's all in there. It's all, it's all in Revelation, Richie. Everything that's going on at the moment. But I do remember reading the family Bible when I was at fairly early teenage boy after seeing the omen for the first time and having the shit scared out of me by the omen and by the Rottweiler which set, um, set in motion a moral panic didn't it against Rottweilers Rottweilers are beautiful dogs with their big square heads on them they never did anybody any harm Rottweilers and then Richard Donner had to make the omen didn't he and he had to make the Rottweiler the guardian of um, the, the spawn of Satan and after that People shit themselves when they see Rottweilers. But they are beautiful dogs. I never encountered an aggressive Rottweiler. We met them in Spain. We meet them in the UK. They're always beautifully placid dogs, aren't they? Great dogs. So um, where was I? Yeah, so I read the Revelation after watching The Omen. Because The Omen scared the bejesus out of me. So I started reading it. Especially that passage about 666. Gregory Peck combing the hair of the little boy. And then rushing him to the church to try and murder him with the daggers of Megiddo. I think Megiddo, I could be wrong anyway. So I did read the Bible in my youth, the, 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 the gritty parts of Revelation. But Jinan sent me this for my soul. And I even read a passage from the Bible on Sunday morning melodies, not in jest, not to be in any way disrespectful to anybody. I read it with decorum and with the utmost respect for the Bible. Because I... I know a lot of my listeners are Christian. Some of my listeners are Jewish. Um, maybe a smaller proportion then maybe would be, um, would be um, Muslims. If you happen to be listening, Zahir, how are you, pal? I hope you're well. 
and all as well in Bolton with you and your family. So the, the presence of the Bible is having an impact on the programme. And somebody got in touch with me the other day and he was very polite to be fair, Gerard. And he sent me a few messages saying, stop using the name of the Lord in vain, Richie. And I was a bit, I suppose, a bit childish about it. And I said, listen, this is how we speak. We, we do use the term, the word Jesus, liberally, where I come from, right? Not just where I come from, but I think we, we have a special relationship with swearing the Irish and we will, we will use it. You know, not, not to offend anybody now, but, you know, like, Jesus, that kind of thing, right? And I think the presence of the Holy Bible, the most holy of Bibles, is um, having some sort of effect on me. Reminds me of a story many moons ago. We lived in Spain, as you know, and we were very good friends with a guy called Chris and his wife, Jan. And they had two sons. One was uh, in his late teens. The other one was in his very early 20s. Peter and Robert. Lovely family. Chris made a name for himself on the Costa del Sol, building villas for very wealthy people. And he did really well, Chris, uh, in that game. And he couldn't have been nicer. Totally unaffected, just like his wife, Jan. Lovely. But he was a bit of a wide boy, Chris. You know, he was a bit of a, he was a Chelsea fan. And he was a bit of a soccer lad, even though he was very successful. You know, you wouldn't think that he ran a very successful business and that he hobnobbed it with, you know, the great and the good and the very rich because he was really leery, but lovely in every sense of the word, you know. And he pulled no punches, really. We were sitting down one night having pizza in a restaurant in a place called Sabanias and we were sitting down and there was a good crowd of us there. And one of Peter's friends, there, w w Peter who was 16 at the time, I think, it was believed that one of his friends was gay. Not that anybody cared anyway, you know. But Chris cared. And this goes back to what I say about how we cannot um, judge the entirety of somebody's life by the fact that they might have an opinion that we might find antiquated or in some way offensive. We shouldn't do that. Because I mentioned my great mentor, Egidio Gianni, was a great Italian gentleman who was um, a prisoner of war in England. And then when he got out, he went to Ireland, started a family, worked in Waterford Crystal, an amazing gentleman, right? He died in 1995, it broke my heart. But um, he would refer to black people as panthers. And he had a meltdown one time when a black swimmer won an Olympic gold medal for Italy. He had, he had a meltdown. He said um, she couldn't be Italian. He had a meltdown. Of course, we wound him up. That's what we did. You know, he didn't try to destroy somebody's career or their life or their social life because they held an opinion that we found to be stupid, if not repugnant. Repugnant is too strong. These were our friends and family. But this guy, Chris, anyway, the, the Chelsea lad, Larry, football lad, you know, were sitting in this restaurant Lots of younger people there, friends of Peter. <laughs> Chris made the point that, well, it's just wrong, isn't it? I'm not going to mention the boy's name, but this boy who it was believed he was gay, he wasn't present. And of course, people were at the, at the table tucking into pizza and that lovely bruschetta that I love, tucking into it saying, what difference does it make, you old fashioned fecker? Mind your own business, blah, blah, blah. But he, he wasn't getting the better of the conversation. He didn't like it. He didn't like it one bit that he was get and he was getting wound up that nobody would agree with him. And um he said he kept repeating it's wrong and it's wrong and it's this and it's that, you know. Um I don't know, one of the kids at the table said, uh, what do you mean it's wrong? Where are you getting that from? And he says, It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. 
It's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, <laughs> it must be true. A man who'd never picked up a copy of the Kim, King James Bible or any other Bible for that matter in his life. The last refuge of the bigot. And he was only mildly bigoted, by the way. That's the last refuge. It's in the Bible. When all else fails, when you can't win the argument, being gay is wrong. It's wrong. It's unnatural. Where does it say that? In the Bible. It says it in the Bible. Uh, it must be true then. Ori, I'm losing my religion on the Richie Allen show. Richard Kelly says, I have a genuine question. If a fellow was having a big argument with a black guy, for example, who had robbed his phone and the victim of the crime called him an effing black bastard, is that classed as racist? Yes, I would say. And proper order too. There isn't any legitimate reason to bring the guy's race into it, is there? Now, that being said, you wouldn't absolutely condemn the victim of the robbery. It is said, and I think I've said it on this programme years ago, you do tend to say the thing that hurts the most when you are at your most angry. You do tend to say the thing that hurts the most, maybe, in that situation. But I guarantee you the law would certainly take a dim view of him using that language, even if he had been robbed by... Uh, the black gentleman in question. Hardly a gentleman, of course, if he's robbing his phone, right? Colin reckons uh, it's good to hear of my re- my rethink on the Bible. I, I haven't had a rethink. Um, I'll carry the Bible with me till the end of my days because my dear friend made such a generous present of it to me and I will dip in and out of it from time to time. But I wouldn't say a rethink on my stance. I wouldn't say that. No, let's not get ahead of ourselves now, Colin. Uh, hi to Dave, who, who reckons we should talk about Nibiru. We have done, Dave. Pre, pre the COVID thing, I would regularly delve into the esoteric and speak about things like that. But, um, yeah, not for quite a while, I'll give you that. Faisal reckons there are very few subs that can go as deep as needed to rescue these poor misfortunate creatures near the Titanic. Faisal says, no military subs, for example. Now, if none of the backup flotation systems have brought them up shortly after communications were lost, these lads are most likely done for, says Faisal. Yes. Patricia says, being overweight has much more to do with how a person looks. It's about health. After all of the nutrition courses I've taken, I would not say do not eat bread. I would say do not eat white white bread, says Patricia. If bread has fibre, it isn't bad. And that's a good point, Patricia. Thank you for correcting me. Yes, yes, white bread is not great. I should have made that distinction. Thank you very much. Jenny says, in my experience, it is exercise rather than diet contributing most to weight loss. I agree, Jenny. When she broke her foot, she was eating like a bird, but getting little exercise. And she still put on weight. When I was able to walk again, but I was eating more, I did, in fact, lose weight. Thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, Jenny, I really appreciate it. Now, Claire's been on to say, Richie, with regard to the trans and the furry stuff in school, children identifying as animals, as a former class messer, says Claire, like that, I can only say that this ideology is manna from heaven for these kids if they are messers. Imagine the power they must feel they have over their teachers 
haunting them with this stuff, says Claire. Yeah, manna from heaven for a child who wants to make mischief. Cliff says, I don't think anyone's gaslighting you, Richie. Love the shows, but I also love these ones where it's like having a bit of a chin wag with you. Best, says Cliff. You're very kind, Cliff. The check is in the post. <laughs> Christine came back on to say, it's a bit long, Richie. Sugar and eating crap is the hardest thing. It takes three weeks to cut the sugar cravings. It's more addictive is sugar than cocaine, says, uh, says Christine. You know, I read that somewhere. You know, I did read that. Uh, I did it during the lockdown. I was on crutches using a walking frame. I'm now down four dress sizes. I'm at the gym five nights a week. Probably a bit easier for me as it is my son's CrossFit box. If I can do it, anyone can. I'll call you sometime, she says, to explain what I did. It was nothing drastic. Thank you. Now, Davy says he's nearly sure it was Doberman's or a Doberman in the Omen. I tell you what, Davy. You've got me confused now. Was it a Doberman in the Omen who was sent to mind the little bollocks himself, Damien? Damien Thorne of the Thorne Empire? Was it, Davy? I can I can visibly picture the big Rottweiler with the big head in him. And I remember that very disturbing scene early on in the Omen when the boy had his fifth birthday. I think fifth. One of his minders, one of the apostates of hell. The young nanny, the young good-looking nanny, she hung herself from the from the top of the house, didn't she? After telling the uh, the the child of Satan, "I'm doing it all for you, Damien." Very disturbing. Do you think it's a, a Doberman? We'll have to double down on that. If I'm wrong, sure, look, it won't be the first time. Uh, the King James Bible. I loved reading it. Oh no, Julie says, "As for the Bible, I loved your reading on Sunday." Thank you, Julie. When I was in secondary school and we had the occasional class mass, I was always roped into doing one of the readings because I didn't care. You know, I wouldn't get nervous or anything. Julie's also going to Sabanius on Saturday. She'll have a Bacardi and Coke for me. You bibe, Julie. I'd love to be heading down to Sabanius now. Memory lane for a Bacardi and Coke. Bacardi con cola. Con cola light, por favor. Dos cerveza grande, por favor. Si. And tapas too. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you, by the way, for uh, for keeping me going. It's uh, 12 minutes to the top of the hour, if you've just joined the programme. I was due to have a, an extended conversation with Fiona Price today, the lovely Fiona. She will be with me tomorrow, so all's well as it ends well as it were, Thursday's programme. So next week is packed to the rafters. Yes, I'll be speaking to a woman, a mother, who's taking on 5G, taking on her local authority, taking on a school. Her name is Catherine. She sounds brilliant. Catherine will be on. Yes, Mariam Henain will be on the programme next week. Oh, it's packed out next week. I'm not sure if I'll have any time to fit in a phone-in. We'll have to make bloody damn well sure we have a phone-in next week. Phone-ins we've got to do more often. The phone-ins, don't we? Um, and I always promise that, but we will. Just a little bit of housekeeping. A, a number of you have been like, Richie, what about the, the, the plans to go in vision? Um, Paul's been away and um, he's had a holiday. He's only back. We're going to do something and it will be soon. As for me speaking at the Fab Cafe in Manchester, 
There will be an announcement and it will be fairly soon. You'll have at least six weeks, maybe seven weeks to pick up a ticket. If you feel like picking up a ticket. That's me talking more bollocks. This time in a in a cafe on stage at the Fab Cafe. So that's going to happen as well. Just bear with me. You know, it, it does... I am behooven to mention. I'm a one-man band. I, I don't know if this, if this gets lost sometimes on some listeners. I don't have any help putting together the Richie Allen Show, which is five live radio shows a week, which are heavily produced because they are full of content, as you well know. And I'm, I'm not here playing the violins now, but there isn't anybody here. It's just me. So we have these plans. You know, the, the God, man makes plans and God laughs. Is, is a well-worn saying, isn't it? It's a well-worn adage. So these things are in the pipeline, but just give us a little bit of time, you know, if you don't mind. Thank you to Wayne. He remembers a poem that was used in The Omen, a composite from Revelation and Daniel. When the Jews return to Zion and a comet rips the sky, the holy empire rises, the new and I must die. From the eternal sea he rises, creating armies on either shore, turning man against his brother until man exists no more. And that was read by the crazy priest who had betrayed God. Wasn't it? I think. Father, whatever his name was, the madman who was killed by the spire breaking off the the, the steeple of, of, of the tower in the church. And Roman Empire is meant to be the European Union and the Eternal Sea is said to be as the world of politics. He will arise in the eternal sea and, and all of that. Yes. Very good. Very good. Thank you. God, you keep sending the messages into me. Seamus Connolly has come back, my pal Seamus, to confirm that it is a Rottweiler. So for once I was right. Rottweiler, the dog in the omen. Which, was I was I right? Thank you, Felix. Was I right to make that, not, not distinction, but to link the moral panic about Rottweilers, did it have some grounding in the use of the Rottweiler in the omen, did it? I think it might have done, because I'd certainly I was scared of it <laughs> as a kid when I first saw the omen. And I, I saw the omen certainly earlier than I, than I initially intimated. I think I would have seen it when I was seven or eight years of age. And it scared the crap out of me. The granny out of me. Ali says it was definitely a Rottweiler. I'm loving today's show. You're some liars. If I thought I'd get away with this, you know. You shouldn't be saying this. Great, Richie. I'll just do that. I'll open a bottle of Bacardi or I'll open a, a bottle of Jameson and I'll sit down here with two tumblers, one for me and one for me, and talk bollocks to you for two hours Monday to Thursday. If I thought I'd get away with it. What do you mean, you baldy fecker? You've been doing it for years. Martin and Linda say, alarm bells ring for us when food is labelled light. Light. Yeah. Yeah. And Gabriel says, you are probably, I'm reading this out, I'm taking this, the best one-man radio podcast presenter in the world. Thank you, Gabriel. I'm in the top three anyway. No doubt about that. Maria Heller's up there. She's been doing it since 1990, God knows what. The oldest one, not the oldest in terms of age, but the oldest podcast on the web, the great Maria Heller. We love Maria, don't we? So we're, we're nearly at the end of today's adventure. Fiona Price will be on with me tomorrow. What an amazing woman. What a fascinating woman. And she's a beautiful speaker. 
I've had a listen to Fiona do one or two interviews elsewhere so I can steal the questions from the presenters who interviewed her previously. No, no, just to have a listen to the sort of person she is. And she's uh, excellent. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lovely conversation tomorrow. We'll get it all in order tomorrow. She'll be on with me. And uh, that's tomorrow's programme. Have I missed out any comments there along the way? Paul came back on to say that he was recommended and ultimately somebody bought him. I'll just read this as is because I don't know what this means. N K. J.V. Spirit-Filled Life Bible by somebody known as Jack W. Hayford with notes. I haven't started it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I will supplement. Will Enoch and other missing links in due course? Yeah, you need to read the thing back before you press send. Read the feckin' message out loud before you press send. You know what I did the other morning before reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke? You know what I did? I read it out loud three times before reading it on the radio. That's because I'm a pro. You see, I'm a pro, don't you know? But you don't do that, you scallies. You you type this feckin' message and you press send without reading it out loud. Like, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll read it out loud now just to make sure that Richie will be able to read it. So do take care. Hi to Mark and Frome. How are you doing, Mark? You're very kind. Hi to Dean, who confirms Rottweilers, but the, the poem, as sent to us by Wayne, isn't from the Bible. I don't think Wayne said it is from the Bible. He said it's a composite from Revelation and Daniel, is what Wayne said, if memory serves. So I don't know. So look, I'm going to leave you with this, right? My little message. This is my Jerry Springer moment. It's time for my final thought. It's a good thing when doctors and nurses who have worked within what we might call conventional medicine for many years, it's no bad thing when they step out of their comfort zone and they say, look, I think something is very wrong with the narrative. It's a bloody good thing because they probably save lives when they do that. So let's give them a you know, a pat on the back for that. But it's not a good thing when some of them get very fond of themselves, like really fond of themselves, and start seeing themselves as celebrities, and setting up podcasts and video streams, and then start linking COVID jabs to, you know, fatalities where they really don't have any clue whether the jab was involved or not. And that's not good. So don't get upset when your presenters, people who you listen to who make news programmes, criticise these people. Don't take it personally. I don't know how you can or why you would, but some people do. And just look at it on its merit. And if you look at it on its merit and then you say, well, Richie's full of shit, like. Um, but you're, look, he's full of shit. He's entitled to be full of shit. That's good, isn't it? I mean, you might think I'm full of shit. But this thing that I should shut up or, you know, I should be attacked and accused of having jabs and all this nonsense. Stop. I'm not speaking to you because I don't think this is you. But to those of you who behave like that, think about it. You know, there's nothing wrong with being criticised. Like, There's no harm can come from, possibly come from, somebody having a go at somebody else, a third party, who you happen to value. It doesn't matter. Christ, it's not going to change your opinion if you really love that person, really value their input, well, it's not going to make any difference if I say, 
I think you got it wrong there. You shouldn't be talking about Shane Warren like that. It doesn't matter, does it? Be sceptical. Be sceptical about everything. All the time. 24 hours a day. Doesn't matter who says it. Even if you love them. If it's me, if it's anybody, be sceptical. Take it with a pinch of salt. Thanks for listening. Speak tomorrow at 5 Thursday's programme. Closing out with, well, the great joy division. Until tomorrow. Tomorrow.